Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up what you want at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site there completely free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. And joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. So we are actually starting things out here with a special guest. And then coming up uh, later, we'll hear from the folks out in Orlando, hopefully, because there's just some horrible, horrible news uh, that has uh, occurred down there. Well, maybe it's to be expected, but some of you might find it shocking. Uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But first, Erica is on the line. Erica Schmitter, am I correct? No, Chenoweth. Oh, Chenoweth. I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> of the guy down in uh, in Orlando that was thrown in jail. We'll talk about him later. Erica Chenoweth is with us. Uh, she is the author of a book, which you've been uh, paging through there, Mark, uh, Why Civil Resistance Works, and a co-author, actually, uh, co-authored with uh, Maria Stefan. Erica, are you there? I'm here. Sorry about the last name mix-up there. Thanks for coming on uh, Free Talk Live here tonight. So Mark was uh, was raving uh, about this book to me, and he said we've got to have uh, Erica on with us. And you know, this isn't a uh, you may not know this, but this isn't really a an interview show. We take callers about whatever about whatever they want to talk about, etc. And occasionally we'll have uh, an interview, and it has to be something really special. So your book must be pretty special. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, yeah it's it's remarkably, um, you know, it's not very often that I'm chasing after authors asking them to be on Free Talk Live, but I did do that. Right, and, normally they pound on your door. Yeah, and, they want and I to... tell them no. And, right. <laughs> but um, this book, I, I felt, you know, the first off, the, the title caught my attention, Why Civil Resistance Works, The Strategic Logic of Nonviolent Conflict. Now, we... We on Free Talk Live talk about this kind of thing on a pretty regular basis, and it seems like there's been some some buzz going around. There was a New York Times article that uh, that came out that kind of said something similar to this. It didn't obviously wasn't as uh, researched as as your book, but could you make the uh, just sort of the underlying argument for the book? Sure. Uh, what we're arguing here is that when we take a look at the history of violent insurgency versus nonviolent. Uh, resistance from 1900 to 2006, what we see is that the historical record shows that nonviolent resistance is strategically superior to armed conflict. And what we mean by that is that um, when we just look at the categories of regime change campaigns um, or uh, anti-occupation or self-determination movements, um, nonviolent campaigns have succeeded about twice as often as violent insurgency. So uh, that's a pretty big track record. Yeah, that's twice as often. Now, what can you describe? Describe nonviolent civil resistance to me, just to make sure that we're clear on what that is. Right. So, um, nonviolent, or what we're calling civil resistance here, is a method of prosecuting conflict in which unarmed civilians are actively applying sanctions or withdrawing cooperation from their governments. So it's it's kind of like civil disobedience on mass. So boycotts, strikes, protests, organized non-cooperation, um, all these things, many of them would be considered – are considered illegal, right? Exactly, right. Okay. So it's not that people are acting within the law because, well, the, bureaucrat, the, the bureaucrats and politicians will write whatever they want into law. It's that they're – acting outside the law they're not they're just not generally picking up arms well they're acting on what's right or what they consider to be right without using violence is what it sounds like to me yeah 
So there, there's usually some kind of unifying objective there. Say they, they're, they're feeling oppressed by the regime or they are being occupied by a foreign power or something like that. Um, and, and basically, uh, yes, they're, they're using organized methods of, of conflict, really. They're nonviolent uh, methods like strikes, boycotts, protests. Those are weapons um, that can be applied against um, an opponent. But uh, most people think of weapons as violent, and we're making the claim here that there's this whole dimension of conflict that's largely ignored because it doesn't appear in the media as much or mm-hmm. it doesn't make a huge blast or whatever, but it's much more effective. So um, now when you're talking about regime change, does it result in the fall of the dictator or does it result in sort of better conditions for the slaves? Yeah, so that's actually pretty interesting. We we weren't sure um, that, that we were going to find anything on that. Um it, it does typically result in the fall of dictators, but the thing that was so striking is that um, in one chapter of the book, we report these findings that when nonviolent resistance has occurred in a country, not even just when it actually succeeds, but just occurs in a country, th- that country is much more likely to transition into a more kind of democratic uh, country in the long run than one in which a violent insurgency has taken place. Define democratic so, for me. Yeah, so we use a very conventional set of um, of measures for that because we're kind of talking to a political science audience with that with that um, metric. But what we're looking at is is just a standard uh, political science definition, which is that um, there are fairly representative institutions um, that there is popular uh, um, contestation of power. That is, there, there's a competitive elections. Um, where people aren't actually um, uh, going to be intimidated into voting a, a certain way. Um, there's some civil liberties that are broadly enjoyed. Um, there's separation of powers. So it's kind of a standard definition, um, even though, of course, it has problems. Sure. I mean, you know, there's it's difficult to know. There, there are a lot of, quote-unquote, democracies out there, and they do tend to span the gamut from uh, free to, to, to mildly um, you know, oppressive, but most of them are not sitting at the bottom of the list as far as uh, oppressive regimes. And most, I don't think there's ever been a, um, a rec- that, that I can think of, a war from a democracy to a democracy. Like, there's no democracy on democracy's wars. At least they're very unlikely. How far back, by the way, Erica, does this book uh, kind of look at as far as uh, nonviolent uh, movements, uh, civil resistance movements? Yeah, we go all the way back to 1900. Okay. Um, and we're looking at well over 300 cases. And we use some statistical techniques to analyze those. But, um, you know, the, the book presents them in a fairly uh, summary way so that they're, it's accessible. Now, um, one of these, uh, one of the things that I found very interesting in, in this is you're, you're stating that the if you take all of the nonviolent versus all of the violent conflicts between 1900 and 2006, so that's a hun- over 106 years, that violent uh, conflicts are half as effective as nonviolent conflicts. Is that the the statement? Yes, exactly. Now, also, you make another statement, which I think is extraordinarily important. Like, it's it's amazing to say, wow, it's twice as effective. But it's even more effective than that because the number, uh, when you look at 
over time, violent campaigns are becoming less effective, I guess, as governments arm themselves with robots that kill um, and uh, and nonviolent is becoming more effective. So it's not that they're it's right. even staying the same. It's that right now, basically, you could make the claim. I don't know. It's something like this that, you know, that nonviolent conflict is, say, three times or four times as effective as violent conflict. Well, well now, why do you think that is, Erica? Is it, does, do you think that no, has let, to... let, her, let, her, let her address that statement oh. that I just made. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's right. Um, over time, we're seeing an increase in both the frequency and the success of nonviolent movements. And, and I think that it's probably moving into close to, in the past maybe 15 years, probably more like three times more effective. Right. So that's essentially what you're saying. Why do you think that is? Uh, why do you feel that that has changed over time? Is it due to uh, the Internet, for instance, uh, communication improving over time to allow folks to focus on the fact that these things are happening, whereas before it would have had to have uh, spread by perhaps word of mouth or, you know, some l- by luck of uh, the draw, actually having the mainstream media focus on it, whereas now anybody can report from anywhere? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's a question that I want to take up in sort of a, a follow-up study, but it seems to me that, that people learn. You know, people actually learn over time, and, and there have been these sort of waves where we've seen a bunch of successful campaigns all at once, like the 1989 campaigns, and then we saw the color revolutions and about the 99 to 2003 era, and so now we're starting to see um, another wave. The Arab Spring. Yeah, the Arab Spring. And so with each wave, there seems to be some replication of the methods that have succeeded in the previous wave. So you actually do see um, movements that are sort of copycats. Erica, if Erica, you could hold, hold, yeah, hold, hold that thought, we're yeah. going to come back here in just a moment and uh, continue this conversation. If you've got a question, Erica Chenoweth is on the line. She's the author of Why Civil Resistance Works, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want and dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. And uh, don't forget, uh, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. Get people together who love the ideas of freedom and get active. Seems like a no-brainer, right? Well, unfortunately, it's taken this long to actually start happening. What I mean by that is just for the liberty movement in general. I mean, for years, they tried the same old tactics over and over again. Let's run a candidate here and there across the country and get 2% of the vote and try again four years later. 
And after finally spinning their wheels long enough, somebody came up with a great idea to move activists to the same place. And so we're seeing more than just politics now. Not only that, the politics has been successful, but we are seeing uh, what I would say are the beginnings of a pretty exciting civil disobedience and non-cooperation movement, one that is completely peaceful. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. So if that's interesting to you and you love the ideas of freedom, go to freestateproject.org. Learn more about the reason why Mark and I made the move up here from Florida a few years ago. Again, freestateproject.org as we bring back our special guest here, Erica Chenoweth. She is the author, one of the authors with uh, Maria Stefan as well, of Why Civil Resistance Works. And that is a book about uh, looking at the last hundred plus years or so of uh, civil resistance movements uh, around the world and looking at ones which were violent and ones that weren't. Uh, although I don't know if I would call a violent movement civil in any way, shape, or form. So maybe I'm using the, the wrong terminology there. Erica, are you still with us? I'm here. Uh, so uh, civil resistance, nonviolence, major success. Not only that, you pointed out just a moment ago that that uh, nonviolent civil resistance is becoming more effective over time and so is more effective today than it was, say, 50 or 100 years ago. And I think that's a really important aspect of this. And you know, as I speculated before, I, I would say it has to do with the ability to communicate. For instance, the reason why we're here doing this show tonight is because of the Internet. Uh, if it weren't for the Internet, we would not be able to have accomplished what we have with getting our show on the air and into people's ears uh, around the world and as a result of that people are moving to new hampshire as part of the free state project and we actually have nonviolent uh, civil disobedience and non-cooperation going on on a regular basis up here and and more and more people are coming to uh, to join in and i would imagine numbers are a fairly important part in all this as well uh, i don't know if you focused on that in your books i haven't read it but uh yeah. you know, are larger movements more effective uh, than smaller ones seems like a no-brainer right yeah that actually is is one of the main findings in the book, which is that part of the reason why nonviolent movements are so much more successful is because they can just get more people involved. Uh, most people, no matter how much they care about an issue, are not going to be willing to kill or die for it. I mean, a, a lot of people are, but, but not enough to really generate um, a mass movement that can really, really upset and upend the status quo. So if a movement commits itself to nonviolent means um, people can participate in all sorts of low-risk ways. For instance, they can just stay at home from work. And, you know, in some cases, that in itself is an exercise in nonviolent civil disobedience. And, and um, you know, a lot of people will, will find that an appealing way to participate. Um, so one of our main findings is that the, the bigger the movement, the more likely it is to succeed. And the more the campaign commits itself to nonviolent resistance, the less barriers people have to overcome to participate in it. Now, um, there, there have to be some sort of uh, factors that make uh, nonviolent uh, civil resistance fail, too. Uh, you said that uh, I think one out of four of the nonviolent civil resistance campaigns, which is pretty good numbers, one out of four fail. That's, that's you know, 75 percent, some level of success. What, cause, what are the sort of uh, causal factors for failure? I think one of the biggest things is that they will tend to over-concentrate their methods into a single uh, technique. So let's take, for example, the Burmese case, which we talk about uh, in the book. Um, what they did, the pro-democracy movement there in 1988, um, they relied quite a bit on concentrated protests. Um, Tiananmen Square was the same way in China. And, and so what they were doing is sort of 
going to the same square over and over and over again and having bigger and bigger protests. Well, that's fine, but it's also extremely predictable. And uh, it kind of ends up making the, the movement a bunch of sitting ducks. So movements that succeed tend to have a high degree of what we would call tactical innovation, which means that they are constantly switching up the methods that they're using. Um, the Iranian Revolution in uh, the late 70s, which did not bring about a democratic regime but did overthrow the Shah of Iran nonetheless, um, they really did switch up their tactics. So they had what we call methods of concentration where they're doing these really high-profile um, protests and rallies, but then they also had stay-at-homes and go-slows and stay-aways, which is when people literally just stayed in their houses for a week. Um, and that in itself slowed down the economy and, and really, in a way, brought the Shah's regime to its knees. And these are very low-risk actions. It's very difficult to repress people when they're literally just staying inside their homes. Now, um, these uh, – so predictability, clearly, um, you know, that makes that makes perfectly good sense. Did you call Tiananmen Square a failure? Because, I mean, to some extent, I, I, yeah, I mean, China is a different place than it was when those protests were occurring, right? Yeah, I'd say that it definitely is. It's certainly undergone a number of reforms, but I wouldn't say that that pro-democracy movement um, was necessarily the most important factor in that, that they brought okay. about that outcome, and, and they were repressed without achieving their stated goals um, and, and sort of ended without achieving their stated goals. And we, we try to use a very high threshold of success, and, and in part because we don't want people to say, well, you're just being, you're, you're saying that, um, you know, it, it's very easy for a nonviolent movement to succeed because, um, you know, all of your successes are actually not really successes. They're just like they may, they got significant concessions or whatever. So, so we, we, we our standard is they have to achieve their stated goals, which is pretty difficult to do. Well, this is the, the this is sort of the academics are arguing about the minutia. Right. But I mean, to, to some extent, to me, if Tiananmen Square is a failure, then um, then, you know, a success must be great. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, um, you know, because t- to me, uh, the you know the the the, the, the t- t- it seemed like a success to me, um, and I would hate to. Uh, d- it's to certainly people... one of the most memorable ones. I yeah, mean, the from guy that... standing in front of those three tanks yeah. is really something. So, Erica, yeah. well, uh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, any time that it brings some kind of international attention and solidarity and that sort of thing to to a struggle, um, there there is a. I would call it a tactical success, right? So that they, they had a number of effective methods, um, but they didn't achieve their ultimate stated goals, which is they wanted to completely kind of upend the, the Communist Party of China and then turn it into something else. So even though that they did bring awareness and it did change the landscape, um, we're using a very strict threshold of full success. And, I mean, one might be able to say then that the Egyptian conflict doesn't look like it's going to be a success then either because um, although the military has taken uh, control and the, the government of uh, – what's his name uh, – is out of there. Um, Mubarak. Yeah, Mubarak. He's – the, the fact is that it's it's really not much better than it was before. It's, it's a, you know, sort of political musical chairs. They're moving folks around in there. Um, I hope that it turns out well for them. I've got some more questions about sort of what defines success and failure and those kind of things. Can you stick with us? Sure. All right. More with Erica Chenoweth. Uh, she is one of the authors of Why Civil Resistance Works, 800-259-9231. We're talking about nonviolent, of course, peaceful. If you've got a question for Erica, more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Hi, 
I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features there free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. We go back to special guests that we have on the line here uh, tonight, Erica Chenoweth. She is one of the authors of Why Civil Resistance Works. We're going to bring her back. But first... If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of accounts receivable, SACL CAI is a a company that handles accounts receivable. They do collections, early out billing, they purchase charged off receivables. The principal over there, Jason Osborne, big supporter of Free Talk Live, big supporter of Liberty, big supporter of nonviolent civil resistance. So, uh, you know, go check them out at uh, freetalklive.com. It's the top banner on the right hand side of the page. Right. And we've got Erica with us here, uh, generously giving us some more of her time here tonight. If you've got a question, would you mind taking a call if we got one for you, Erica? Would that be all right sure that okay. would be fine 800-259-9231 now mark uh we've been talking about why it is that uh, nonviolent civil resistance movements are far more effective than violent resistance which i would not consider civil uh and uh, significantly more so it, it on the average over the last hundred years it's tw- they're twice as effective but erica you said that uh, recently they've been perhaps three times as effective and of course larger movements that are more varied in their uh, techniques are also more effective as well uh so mark you had some follow-up questions yeah yeah so um you know sort of i think that it's maybe it's normal for humans to say well you know these people this this dictator is being violent towards us let's be violent towards him so what do you say to sort of um that it is the sort of predictable and normal behavior for people to want violent revolution yeah you know it's it's interesting um i i've been reading a lot about when people first started using violence in an organized fashion and it turns out that i think it's a myth that it comes really easily to us um I was reading some anthropological research that basically said that humans didn't really start using violence until they became less nomadic and started putting stakes in the ground and defending their own space. Makes sense. Um, And so, yeah, and so it actually is easier for us to confront each other using nonviolent resistance. Um, But I I don't know, maybe there's something that socialized us into thinking that violence is the normal reaction to violence. uh, but uh, it actually is more natural for us to well, confront it using creative, nonviolent tactics. I would say you're right. I mean, people have been socialized to think that. They're, they're brought up in this system that is inherently violent, and in a lot of cases, that is teaching people 
that if you want to solve a problem, well, you know, just turn to the government and they'll pass a law and they'll use violence on uh, people. And if you don't people. like that law, do the same thing that the government will do. Carry a gun on your hip and shoot somebody if, if they don't like it. Right. I mean, th- there's this kind of this popular history of violence as well, where when you're going to history class, it's all about wars and that it's all about, vi- you know, violence and, you know, how- Alexander the Great's called great because he killed a lot of people. Yeah. And of course, I don't agree that's great yeah. at all, but uh, that's the perspective that is essentially pushed on at least uh, people in, in, you know, in this country uh, the, by the government school system. I think that's really dangerous because it leads people down the road. And of course, then you also have parents who use violence on a, you know, more of an individual basis with their kids, which is also teaching kids, oh, you, you know, if there's a problem with the, with a kid, you just, you just beat it or, uh, you know, spank it. And, uh, and that'll solve the problem. Of course, uh, anybody that's looked into spanking knows that, that that's, again, teaching the wrong lesson. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, and it's funny because I, you know, sometimes I'll talk to activists and and um, and I'll say, what is it? Are you a parent? And and what is it that makes you blindingly angry when your child does it? And they'll say, um, when they go totally limp and they don't allow you to move them, <laughs> you know. And so and that's a that's a form of nonviolent resistance. You know, um, they, they're just not obeying, and it can it has yep. the capacity to make adults blindingly angry. And that's basically what we're talking about. <laughs> so, it yep. reminds me of the LOL scale. cat on the internet that the civil disobedience cat shall not be moved. He's going to be drugged by the leash. Did you see this? I've seen. No, it. I didn't. Ah, uh, you need to get on the internet, Eric. That's very good. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of LOL cats out there. There are. They are. They are darn entertaining. Now, I've got a couple of, I guess, harder questions um, about sort of civil resistance. Many people, it, it seems like, uh, you know, so in Martin Luther King, there's the Black Panthers. With Gandhi, there was actually some, uh, you know, there was some violence going on along with Gandhi. These are the two civil dis- disobedience. But they weren't involved in those. They things. weren't. But at the same time, violence was occurring where groups took desperate groups uh, d- different groups wanted similar things and some were using nonviolence and some were using violence at the same time at the same place to achieve similar goals how do you use, yeah. how, how does your study address this and what do you have to say to people that sort of say oh well you've got to have violence and nonviolence and they work together yeah so um that was one of the big critiques that came up early on and so um one of my colleagues Kurt Schock who's a professor at Rutgers and I uh started a study about what we call that radical flank problem which is you know what happens when when you have the precise scenario that you just talked about what we find is that um having a violent movement that exists simultaneously to a nonviolent one certainly does never help the nonviolent movement succeed. We couldn't find any cases um, when we did the statistical analysis where it improved the odds of, of success. Okay. Um, and in fact, what we found is that it could, it could hurt it. And the reason is, is because of what I mentioned about the, the importance of participation. Um, people are much less willing to risk their lives and families' lives and neighbors' lives um, if they think that participation in a nonviolent campaign is going to mean no matter what, they're going to be labeled as a terrorist or whatever by the government that they're opposing. And it's much mm. more likely that that yeah. kind of a thing will happen if there's a simultaneous violent movement. It basically calls forth the government's ability to like justify all kinds of horrible repression, and nobody wants to be part of that, right? So Makes you sense. end up um, having these radical flanks that are really undermining um, the, the odds of success, at the same time, nonviolent movements can succeed um, despite uh, the presence of violent movements. We've seen that in the Philippines. We saw it in Iran. We've, um, you know, seen it in Egypt and, and elsewhere. So I, I think that it's 
um, it's still a possibility, but that they don't help and they could hurt. That's kind of the bottom line. So, I mean, you know, even the right will still use the Black Panthers as this sort of scare tactic, what, 30 or 40 years later after they've essentially gone away. So, I mean, I think that that's true, that they, they can vilify. The people don't want to be vilified. Uh, they don't want to be paint, painted as uh, dangerous. And um, you But know, who does history remember, right? I mean, you look back, yeah. who were those violent people associated with Gandhi? I don't know. Who were the violent people associated with Martin? I just Luther named them. <laughs> I'm sorry, with Gandhi? With with Martin Luther King. I could look it up with Gandhi. I, I don't know what their names um, names are, but I'm sure you could find. It. I don't know. History yeah. tends to remember whoever's successful. I, I would say is is the case. Um, there, there's a couple of other sort of uh, you know questions here. What we've seen, it seems, in recent history is that uh, sort of urban warfare, urban terroristic guerrilla warfare, is more successful against governments. Um, in i.e. Iraq, i.e. Um, I don't know if Afghanistan. Afghanistan's really not a particularly good example of this, but um, you know there have been uh, some some reasonably good examples of of urban guerrilla warfare where they've they've staved off a much larger attacker. What do you say to people that say, "Oh, well, you just got to fight the government in the streets"? Yeah, actually, the the example a lot of people bring up is Algeria, um, the Algeria independence um, movement that kicked France out, basically. Okay, and. I, you know, usually what I would say to that is is a couple of things. First of all, um, we do see that when um, when there's an occupation by a democratic country, um, those tend to not go well uh, for the democratic country. Uh, usually, the indigenous population throws them out, whether they do that by nonviolent means or violent ones. Gotcha. So I think that you're going to have a much higher rate of success for violent insurgencies when they're facing democracies that are occupying their country from a foreign place. Um, but in general, um, uh, what I haven't seen is a compelling argument that where these violent insurgencies have worked, that nonviolent in- insurrections couldn't have worked. What I mean mm-hmm. by that is um, I don't see compelling evidence to show that the violence was necessary to achieve that outcome. So- right. So you, let, let's say that uh, in a hypothetical that the Algerian independence movement had been um, completely nonviolent. We we may have seen the exact same outcome. Gotcha. Interesting. Now, um, if people want to uh, get your book, um, or just real quick, I want to be able to plug it. Um, they, they would go to uh, I have the address here: cup.columbia.edu. Is that correct? Yes. Just go to Columbia University Press's website, and they can get a thirty percent discount um, at checkout if they enter the code Erica, WY. Can yep. you stick around for one more segment? I apologize. Give that yeah, code. All right, sure. hang on. We're going to bring that code back here in just a moment. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our 90 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We're talking about nonviolent civil resistance. This is being called in Why Civil Resistance Works, a book by Erica Chenoweth and Maria Steffen. 
Uh, we actually have Erica with us here. We're going to continue that uh, interview in a moment. If you've got a question for her, 800-259-9231 is the number. You can also visit us online at freetalklive.com. Now, on our website, you'll see that we give you all the features there completely free. So head on over there and enjoy those on us. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier for as little as $3 per month. You can go to amp.freetalklive.com, use any major credit card via PayPal, or use Visa or MasterCard right on our website and help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations across the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose people to the ideas of freedom. So once again, amp.freetalklive.com, and you'll get perks too, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only forum and podcast and more. Once again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. Now, when we left uh, Erica during that last break, we're about ready to get a discount code from her to order this book. Now, regular price, if you were to go to Amazon, for instance, uh, through our Amazon link at shop.freetalklive.com, you'd get it for about 30 bucks, uh, 29 bucks or something like that. But uh, on your and it website, looks like a twenty nine dollar book to me. I mean, this is the kind it's of hardcover. Yeah, that's that's what you pay in a, in a in a store. I mean, the pages are nice, and I'm holding it in my hand here. And and I'm I love the logo too, by the way, with the yeah, fist with a awesome peace looking. sign. It's a fist with a peace sign. It's great stuff. Can we borrow that, Erica? The, the logo? <laughs> you can talk to the publisher about that. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, so give us a discount code. Give us instructions on how our listeners can get uh, a price break. Sure. If they just go to. Um Columbia University Press's website and look for why civil resistance works. Um, they, all they need to do is enter the discount code WHYCH at checkout and they'll get a 30% discount. WHYCH um, at the checkout. Right. And right. Now, and you can, can just go to. You could just go to cup.columbia.edu, and you're right on the front page. We've uh, we've already checked this out t- this evening, so uh, people can just go there um, and, and buy the the book, and you get a thirty percent discount. Uh, Not with, too shabby with coupon code W W H Y C H. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to read that upside right. down. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Now, uh, one more one more question I have for you, Erica. You know, some people will claim that you know, in this new world, and you've sort of answered this previously, but I think it bears uh, repeating on this particular one. In this new world, all you have to do to have your uh, your little uh, insurrection work is to get a few teenagers to wrap themselves in dynamite and uh, to run off towards the in- the infidel or whatever, and then that works because you know suicide campaigns work. What do you have to say to that? You know, um, I haven't seen very much compelling evidence to show that they work uh, to achieve the ultimate outcomes that they want. They definitely work to get a lot of attention. They work to scare a lot of people. Um, They may work to change how people uh, view the other side and and things like that. But they aren't very good at developing constructive solutions to problems. Um, And I think, you know, the thing about um, civil resistance is that um, I think it's cut short before it can really play out and work a lot of the time because people are either impatient or they can't get enough people on board with their idea mm-hmm. uh, to, to see that it's going to work. And, and um, so the, the, I think what, what I'm hoping for is to sort of change the conventional wisdom about what types of things that ordinary civilians can do to change conditions that are intolerable for them. And the the main point we're trying to make here is that Teenagers or whomever, they do not have to strap dynamite on themselves and run into, you know, the opposite side and blow themselves up. That this is a very powerful force for change, and the world 
It's becoming more powerful as a force for change and is probably, you know, um, eventually going to be uh, the most important force for change in the world. And so um, they just don't need to do that. And I'm hoping to, to really change the conventional wisdom about that. What kind of what kind of uh, advice do you have for people that might uh, be considering using some kind of civil resistance to get some kind of change that they want, uh, in, you know, someplace? Well, you know, there, there are a lot of resources available uh, to activists and, and other, and, and, you know, ordinary citizens. The Internet, as you said, has made a lot of that accessible to people. And uh, there are a few um, places I'd recommend in particular. Um, the Albert Einstein Institution is, um, is a small uh, organization where Gene Sharp, who's kind of the main theoretician of the use of nonviolent direct action works, he's got a number of pamphlets um, available for free download um, that are very useful. Um, the International Center on Nonviolent Conflict is, a, is a, um, an organization in Washington whose sole purpose is to promote knowledge about nonviolent conflict, and they have a number of resources as well and events. Um, so, you know, I'd start there and then, um, you know, just using simple Google searches, um, one can find uh, quite a lot of information about how to plan um, and, and, and um, develop uh, a strategy that works. You know, we are here, as I mentioned, in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, a movement of a bunch of liberty-minded folks getting together and, and getting active in various different ways. And it's interesting kind of comparing what's happened thus far in this movement with what you're saying. Uh, one of the critiques uh, up here of the movement, the civil disobedience side of it and the non-cooperation side of it, has been that it hasn't been organized enough. And I think that's one of the strengths of it to some extent because having a decentralized movement is important to me because then there's nobody who's in charge. There's nobody who they can kind of pick off at the top and uh, and you know decimate a movement. It's all just being done, you know, at the whim of those who are interested in doing whatever it is they want to do. They may plan something on their own, but there's no central committee or whatever that's handing down edicts. Do you feel like that's a strength? Yeah, I do think it's a strength. Um, The key is that it's a really difficult balance to have a decentralized movement that also has unity and coherence. And so that's sort of the key is that, you know, a a campaign isn't going to work just because it has a ton of nonviolent protesters. Um, There has to actually be strategy involved, and and it has to be um, organized in a way, um, not organized in a hierarchy, but but coherent, you know, and and so that one kind of tactic follows another and that there's an overarching strategic aim. And that, that sort of thing can be done in a leaderless resistance sort of way, but it still has to be done. Have you ever done it? Have you ever done uh, civil disobedience or, or non-cooperation in your personal life? Um, you know, I, I'm more of, a, of an astronaut than an, or I'm, I'm more of an astronomer than an astronaut. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of it. Um, I've been present to watch a lot of it. But Can you give me I'm an example in, of one that you were present yeah, for? So I've, um, yeah, I, I was in the UK and I was um, doing some research on protest movements there, and so I was looking at a, um, and, and watching um, some immigrant immigrant groups protesting the parliament about um, what they saw as infringements on their rights and that sort of thing. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I'm sort of I'm very curious about it. I look at I'm very fascinated by animal rights movements and, and things like that. So I'll follow uh, some of their activities. 
But no, I'm not myself very much of an activist. I'm more just kind of interested in watching. How successful are these things in democracies? Most of the examples, there's dramatic examples that exist in dictatorships. Uh, you know, people die and that kind of thing. Um, how successful are these in democracies? Are they more, less, or equally successful? I think one of the ironies is they tend to be less successful, um, the nonviolent ones. And, and the reason I think is because there's, and almost like more apathy in democracies. Mm. Um, people just think that because they can vote, they'll express themselves that way. And so it doesn't come to them as easily that to use uh, other tactics of nonviolent protest. Um, so, you know, I, I think that they happen in democracies, but they peter out much more quickly. Um, and maybe, you know, in authoritarian regimes, it's so intolerable to live under that level of oppression mm-hmm. that people have less of a tough time. That's what we've seen is that people have to be – they have to, in many cases, be woken up by some sort of uh, strike of violence by the people calling themselves the state close to home before they'll really start to uh, to, to speak out even, uh, let alone do something. And one of the things that I've always encouraged uh, on this show is if you are seeing something that you think is awful – then the more that you can say no, the better. If, as far as tyrants and you know, little tyrants, sometimes you know, cities have their little tyrants too. Uh, or a judge, for instance. We just had a, a judge put a guy in jail for over 150 days for handing out some information uh, at court. And <laughs> it's just crazy stuff. The more people say no the better off we'll all be. But they have to be willing to take that step. And I think you're absolutely right. People in, uh, in a lot of these you know, westernized uh, democracies are, are fat and they're happy and, uh, and they're lazy and apathetic as a result of that. And it's unfortunate that they have to have violence uh, strike close in order to, uh, to take action. I wish uh, we're out of time for today, but Erica, thanks for coming on tonight. If people want to get your book, they can go to cup.columbia.edu and use the discount code WHYCH to save 30%. Right. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show tonight, Erica. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. More coming up here. Hour two's next. 800-259-9231. More about what's going on in Orlando coming up. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free, bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on the phones here. 800-259-9231. A crazy day in Orlando today. Uh, we're going to give you the latest on that situation here in just a moment. Plus, uh, plenty of time for you and your thoughts. That is the point of this program, and that's why we call it Free Talk Live. Hopefully, at some point, we'll be hearing from uh, someone from Orlando because, well, today was the trial date of uh, one Mark Schmitter who was arrested 
You may recall during the Kaylee Anthony trial, it, I'm sure it made a slight splash in the national news media when you know someone was arrested outside of the court today for handing out papers to the uh, potential jurors. I'm not sure that's a splash, but uh, well, perhaps a ripple. If the national news mentions it, it's it's something, I okay. guess. Because otherwise, somebody handing out fully informed jury information at a courthouse and getting arrested for it wouldn't even make a blip on the national news media's radar. Makes sense. And now the man who has been uh, who has been out front of the Orange County Courthouse for years, from what I understand, for a long time, handing out fully informed jury information, informing jurors that it's their right to vote their conscience. This man has been sentenced to jail for what I believe is 153 days, maybe more than that, at least 150 days. 150 days in jail because he dared engage in free speech. That's what we're talking about here. And I'd like to give you more information. But, Mark, tell me more about jury nullification for listeners that are unfamiliar. Well, the jury nullification is a practice that juries have uh, participated in for a thousand years. Um, Juries are able to not only judge the guilt or innocence of the accused, but they're able to judge sort of the morality um, of of a law. For instance, it was used in the time of uh, prohibition to, uh, you know, not convict people that were in possession of alcohol. Uh, you know, their friends and neighbors didn't want to uh, convict them of that, so they just didn't find them guilty of possession of alcohol. Even though it was, you know, the Constitution of the United States was amended and it was the law of the land, juries refused to convict, and there's nothing that the courts could do about it. This it was also used in it sort of it's to somewhat it's in um, you know it's enigmatic uh, ignominious uh, history as it was used, for instance, to not find people guilty of murder. Uh, who had, uh, say, killed people in the Jim Crow South, killed black people in the Jim Crow South. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can be used and it, it is a tool and can be used for good or for evil. But it's um, and, and, you know, the courts have basically tried to not use it, you know, not tell people about it anymore. They'll, they'll, even, right. they'll even throw people in jail that uh, defendants that try to mention it in, in pro se situations or lawyers. Uh, lawyers would be disbarred, perhaps, for doing such a thing. Well, at least they I don't know about jail. Maybe they have done that. But I, I know that the, for, for certain it can result in a mistrial. That much is for sure. Yeah. And I would imagine it could be jail, especially if they're threatening you with contempt for talking about it. You continue to talk about it. And then they go ahead and uh, toss you in there. So that's uh, the basic news of of what happened today. I'm hoping that you know at some point here we'll we'll manage to pull somebody up from Orlando and get them on the line who was actually there at the trial. Uh, one of the questions I had had was, well, are you guys going to be able to get cameras in here? Which I pretty much knew the answer was going to be no because well they weren't able to get cameras into John Kurtz's trial, who was arrested in Orlando for videotaping a cop that was roughing somebody up, as I understand it. And they sentenced him to 30 days in jail for that. It's just so awful. Uh, this this tyranny is everywhere. If you think for a moment this wouldn't happen where you live, it's probably pretty likely it would. There, these little tyrants wearing robes are in every city and town across America. And it's just that's just a fact. They have com- they're completely almost completely untouchable. 
almost completely unaccountable. In some areas, there are elections for judges. So I suppose, you know, in those cases, maybe there's a way to hold to hold that person uh, accountable. There, there's but, real problems with electing judges, too. There's all kinds of uh, unintended consequences to holding judges, uh, you know, uh, at the da- uh, responsible to the ballot box, too. Uh, you know, you still have the problem of the judicial system being uh, an inefficient monopoly that doesn't have to compete um, in the uh, arena of competition for you know, the marketplace for people's uh, people's business. It just does what it does. So we're going to get back to that uh, discussion here in a moment. We can gather more details about it besides just the fact that this man is now going to jail for over 150 days. Does anybody actually think that's appropriate? It's insane. Is there anyone listening who actually believes that that makes sense? Oh, yeah, he's trying to hand stuff out to inform jurors. We can't have that. Maybe a few judges out there who think that. Yeah, that'd be about it. I think it'd be the club of uh, judges and prosecuting attorneys yeah. that would uh, be on board with uh, putting this man in jail for 150 days. I hope the best for those uh, activists. By the way, who I believe has no criminal record. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm remembering that factoid correctly, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure this is a 60-year-old man, approximately, who really has never had any kind of issue with the law in the past. So this is pretty serious. This is a serious sentence. And... I'm glad that I'm here in New Hampshire. Even though we've got little tyrants up here, at least we can bring a video camera into a courtroom. Even though they are cracking down on things like cell phones and video and audio recording devices in the court the court buildings up here. This is a recent crackdown, and something does need to be done about it. Um, all that said, we can still get a camera into the courtroom, and we can still record these court hearings where they still behave like a bunch of you know little tyrants. Uh, but at least we have it on video when they do that. And that's part of what we actually saw today when I was in a courtroom here in Keene, New Hampshire. It's my first time going to uh, Superior Court as a defendant. I've been into Superior Court and you know been in the audience to support people who've been defendants. But this is my first time sitting at the defendant's table uh, was today. And I went into this, too. And um, well, you went into the second hearing. OK. The first hearing was much more boring. Uh, it's one of these what they call a pretrial hearing. And basically here in New Hampshire, they have this pretrial hearing a week in advance of the jury selection process. And essentially it is like this lawyer feeding frenzy where you sit in there for like an hour and you wait because if you're pro se, they always push you toward the end, it seems. So, you know, as a courtesy to the lawyers who are, you know, they're members of a club. And so they come in, the lawyers come in, the judge calls a case and the two lawyers for the case, one for the state, one for the other side, or if it's a versus case without a state, it's both lawyers. So both lawyers in the case come up to the judge and they kind of, they talk, you know, they talk kind of quiet up at the front and they talk about whatever motions and whatever dates and they, you know, they're not nailing out dates for the trial and stuff like this. Just kind of this negotiation thing and really it's it's funny kind of watching the lawyers scurry about you know they're just kind of like going back and forth doing things and they come up and they uh, they talk to the judge and then eventually he calls uh, my name glad you're amused and he well you might as well laugh at uh, this process mark because they they want you to take it seriously you know 
It's pretty serious, dude. They're they're very interested in having you take them seriously. They have a lot of good tools for making you take it seriously. Well, I understand that. They have cages and they have men with guns, but it's important to be able to laugh at them uh, because if you can't take this lightly, then you'll go crazy. There was some laughing that went on in the courtroom today. Yes, thank goodness. And in that, despite the man in the robe threatening uh, to crack down and imposing a much more restrictive ban on using hats, for instance, uh, in the court... We can get to that here in a moment. But anyway, I was called up, and at one point, you know, I kind of asked, we went through a few things, and this one we were not recording just because I didn't expect it to be much of anything. Usually the pretrial hearings are pretty straightforward. But I did have uh, three of Mark Stevens' questions from Adventures in Legal Land at markstevens.net. And uh, let's see, I can probably pull them up here. But my questions essentially were like three of the best ones that uh, that you can ask. When I asked Mark Stevens, you know, what are the three questions? Because you've got a lot of Mark Stevens gives people a lot of interesting questions that they can ask when they're uh, when they're up in court. And I asked him, well, you know, you can't ask all of these questions because I've tried that and that doesn't work very well. Uh, you, you can't ask all of these questions. So, so what do you ask? Well, the, you, the, the first question you asked was, uh, do I have the right to a fair trial? Am I entitled to a fair trial? And it took him a while to answer this question before finally saying, well, of course you're entitled. Right. To he, he was claiming that you understood. And I think it's right. amazing that they can claim that you understand something. Right. You know the answers to these questions, so I, I don't have to answer I them. mean, when the same courts that define pieces of paper as persons, how can they expect you to understand anything? 800-259-9231. We're coming up. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And we give you the features on the site free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. Uh, Don't forget, you can also uh, sign up for our news updates over at news.freetalklive.com. We'll give you emailed updates or Twitter updates or Facebook, whichever works best for you. It's all free at news.freetalklive.com. Ruger has some exciting new offerings for this model year. The LC9 is a new, slightly larger cousin to the very popular LCP. It's compact, has numerous safety features, a three-dot sight system, and Ruger always has and always will mean rugged. The Ruger LC9, the next handgun you must own. Made in America, made for you, Ruger.com. You can go see it at Ruger.com. It is a beautiful handgun, and uh, you can pick it up at your local gun dealer, Ruger.com. All right, so uh, we are, by the way, uh, the, the folks in Orlando are contacting me. Uh, we are going to have, at the very least, John Kurtz on the line here in a little bit, um, and maybe even Mark Schmitter live from a jail cell uh, in Orlando. That is what is being worked out right now. The man that's been sentenced to over 150 days in jail uh, because he handed out flyers on courthouse grounds. Just It just seems so blatantly, obviously tyrannical, unconstitutional, you fill in the blank, it's crazy, and we'll continue to update you on that here uh, in a moment. 1-800-259-9231. Julia, you were saying something during the break that I thought was important to uh, to bring on here. Oh, the the hats? Yeah. We, well, well, because there were multiple people wearing hats in court today here in Keene, and the man in the robe announced a crackdown, saying that he was no longer going to be so tolerant 
And As if he's been really awesomely tolerant in the past. Well, he's been better on hats than some really? other judges have. And now he is annou- he's, he announced today that he's not going to be Mr. Nice Guy anymore, basically. No more Mr. Nice Judge. Yeah. Well, my question was, I, I wanted to know if all of the people that have been harassed about the hats were wearing baseball hats. Because... Pretty much, as I think. Except as... for Evan Pierce, who was arrested, uh, the emperor of Grafton, Free Grafton. He was arrested in court after he fashioned an origami hat, tiny little hat, and put it up on top of his head, uh, was arrested for contempt of court. Uh, Jesse had a sock hat on, as I recall, in one of the uh, the, the court courts around, you know, that was True, not here. and someone was arrested for a hoodie as well at one point. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, Michelle Seven uh, had a, uh, a, a sort of one of those big floppy girl hats on in court mm-hmm. and uh, they asked her to remove that which is really contrary to sort of the conventions around uh, hat right that's weird to me because the ancient whatever I, I, I mean when my dad was a kid for example he always used to say to us you know men take their hats off inside women wear them and that was sort of the social yeah the social rules or whatever so that seems weird to me but my thoughts were that that maybe it was it was just a, the fact that you know, a baseball cap that's really casual. So the judge feels like you're not taking it seriously. And I was wondering if somebody went in, like a man went in in a nice tuxedo and a fancy top hat, if he would feel the same way and force them to take it off or if it wouldn't bother him because they were taking the court really seriously. Mm. I, I'm going to take no. I'm going to say that uh, that what they what bothers them is noncompliance, and that a uh, um, you know a man wearing a hat is going to be noncompliant, and no matter what way he he goes. I mean, you know, they're just going to say, "Sir, take your take your hat off," and he's going to say, "Well, I should never have been pushed around by the likes of you, sir." And um, you know that 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 is just like not what about go a well. nice southern gentleman <laughs> with a top hat on? Yeah, good question. So, nice southern gentlemen will take their hats off when told to. I would imagine. Yeah, good point. Somebody should try that anyway, though. I think it's fun to wear costumes uh, to court. They nor- normally don't like that very much. Yeah, it bugs either. the crap out of them. Uh, the one time that uh, another activist, uh, Menno, and I attempted to wear judges' robes uh, <laughs> to court, they uh, decided that we weren't going to be allowed in because we didn't wear those every day as part of our job. So therefore, it was clearly a costume, and so they disallowed. Somebody it. during the the hat altercation today, somebody said, "Well, are you going to take your dress off?" Yeah, to it the was judge? Luther. I heard it was Luther that said that. <laughs> yeah, that was at which funny. point, you know, like <laughs> there's dead silence for just one moment. <laughs> it was close. They did have the sheriffs come in, and they almost arrested one activist, and he did take his hat off at uh, at the last moment. So no hat arrests uh, today, no camera arrests. So there's a total media crackdown for the most part. There's a hat crackdown. But uh, it could be worse. Well, I, I don't know how much worse. Today was the, the most surreal experience I've ever had in a courtroom. I'll tell uh, you what. We'll get to that thought here in a moment. Let's bring Jason uh, Freeman on the line from Orlando. He is on here with us uh, attending at least one of the hearings today in Orlando where a man has been sentenced to jail for over 150 days for the dirty, dastardly crime of handing out information. Jason, are you with us? Hey guys, what's up? Hey, so what did you experience today down there, Jason? Hey guys, what's up? I'm hey, can, can you hear us? Seems to be something wrong with uh, with our connection. I I'm not sure what's going on. Jason, one more try for you. Are you there? 
All right, tell you what, we'll uh, we'll wait back on the Orlando thing. So, Mark, uh, but before you get to your experience, let me finish real real brief with uh, the end of my initial hearing, this pretrial hearing this morning, because I had two hearings at the same courtroom uh, today. So, I'd ask the the first question, the Mark Stevens question from Adventures uh, in Legal Land. MarkStevens.net is his uh, website. That's Mark with a C. Which is, am I entitled to a fair trial? And the man in the robe paused for quite a while before he answered something to the effect of, well, of course you're, enti- of course you're entitled to a fair trial. And so I asked the next question, can I get a fair trial if there is a conflict of interest? And he kind of looked at me and got up and began leaving the room while saying, this, uh, I'll be taking a recess, we, will, we can continue this uh, this afternoon. And as he uh, began leaving the room, uh, you know, the, the familiar, all rise, you know, from the bailiffs, and of course no one stands up. Um, it's, it's kind of sad at this point. <laughs> no, I Pretty soon they're just going to stop. Uh, well, you know what? You're right, Mark. I mean, it would be interesting. But uh, no, they keep doing it. Sad, pathetic. What, what term it's, would you like to use? It's their religion. They're not going to stop. They're going to keep doing it in the hopes that maybe someone will stand up someday. And maybe if there's actually a judge worth standing for someday, people will. You know, a judge that doesn't actually prosecute cases or hear cases involving no victim. I think I would stand for a judge like that. I know it's like not Quaker like to do, Mark, but I mean, just out of respect for a judge with the with the balls to uh, to actually not It'd be interesting take those to see. Cases. That's for certain. So uh, anyway, so he gets up. He won't answer the question. Gets up, begins to leave the room, and then his clerk says something to him about, "Oh, you need to do this," and or he said something to her, and he had to turn around and go and sit back down because there was something else that he had to do. Not in my case, but I guess in some other case or whatever. So he actually ended up not leaving the room. Packed up, left, came back with a larger group of activists for this two o'clock hearing uh, about whether or not uh, one can uh, about it. It was a speedy trial hearing, actually. So they had taken over six months to schedule my case for trial. And up here in New Hampshire, that means they're supposed to have a hearing about, you know, whether this is a speedy trial. Yeah. Why the heck is uh, that? Were we calling the speedy trial if we can't get it to trial in six months? Right. And that's the one that you attended this afternoon. Right. And this is just amazing to me. Um, You know, they the 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 state essentially said, well, you know, uh, it wasn't our fault. Um, we didn't. It wasn't our fault that this got delayed. It was the court's fault. As if that matters to the defendant, who is the only one who's uh, you know should be heard on this. Uh, you know that their speedy trial right. Remember, you're supposed to have a right to a speedy trial here in the United Which States. Is never defined. But speedy, right? Speedy means as fast as we want to give it to you. Yep. That's what speedy means. So if they wanted to take three years. What difference does it make? The judge said, "Oh, okay, it's fine." Um, you know, one of the, uh, w- 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 the what the bureaucrat actually said, "Well, Mr. Freeman here didn't uh, didn't file a speedy trial thing beforehand. Like he's supposed, like you're supposed to go out and do this guy's job for him, remind him what's on the docket. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that this petty little man wants you to file his paperwork for you. Why don't you just walk to the jail for him too?" The toll free number is eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We're coming up. Free talk live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy the features that we give to you there for free. We've got a webcam. Go ahead and watch if you'd like. 
And uh, you can also chat at the same time because the chat room is built into the same page as the webcam. Go to cam.freetalklive.com to do that and do it for free. That's cam.freetalklive.com. If you're taking prescriptions and you're getting your prescriptions at a local pharmacy and this is the kind of prescription that you take on a long-term basis, whether it's uh, you know birth control pill or sort of uh, anti-depression meds or heart uh, – high blood pressure, uh, those kind of pills – you can get them at discounts as high as 70% off, and they'll deliver them right to your door. It's discount prescription services. All you have to do is go to meds.freetalklive.com, click become a member on the left-hand side of the page, or they've got an 800 number there that you can call. Uh, they'll give you a call back during uh, business hours. Their customer service is excellent. They'll walk you through every step of the way. You'll save a lot of money. They do third-party certification to make sure that the drugs that you have ordered are the drugs that you get, and they're not counterfeit or anything like that. Whether it's Viagra, Cialis, Boniva, Ablify, Lipitor, Nexium, Zetia, it's meds.freetalklive.com. All right, so we're uh, we can continue talking about your frustrations today, Mark, and and how awful you thought that uh, the hearing was, and it was you know, it was pretty bad. But at least we did get a camera in, so the video footage will be available at some point at freekeen.com. Also, they weren't letting people with uh, cell phones in, but I brought mine in. I mean, they didn't say anything to me. That must have been because the guard, for some reason, uh, didn't recognize it or something like that. Because I've yes. seen them take cell phones from everybody walking in. Because I'm building. not uh, you know amongst you guys. No, 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 no. I've seen them take cell phones from every. Everyone walking in that building. Well, I went through two guards today. I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying to you that they're not just targeting activists. Gotcha. Okay. So you got lucky. And I actually got my cell phone through as well, but it wasn't on purpose. I just forgot to put it in the little screener bin thing. And I walked through the metal detector and it didn't go off. So if it doesn't go off, they don't check you. And for whatever reason, it must not have been turned up that sensitive today. Anyway, let's go back down to Orlando, where I think we've got John Kurtz uh, in Florida. John, is this John Kurtz on the line? Yeah, can can you guys hear me all right? Hey, John, good to have you. Uh, actually, I think this is this the first time we've talked to you since you've been out of jail. This is. I haven't really had an occasion to call, and I didn't think my getting out of jail was really uh, all that entertaining for your listeners. Well, so I, I think waited. It's... I, I know we'd have something good on uh, coming up, so I, I waited. Well, I don't know if it, I don't don't know if I would consider this good news uh, that we have you on for uh, because somebody has been put in jail for 150 days down there, more than 150 days, because of uh, well the horrible crime of handing out pamphlets on courthouse property. Right. Uh, Mark Schmitter, who's been doing uh, uh, jury outreach at the Orange County Courthouse since uh, about September, August of last year, um, in in the face of a couple different executive orders, uh, had, I guess you could call it a trial today. It's not so much a trial because the judge... Uh, was actually the jury. There was no jury there. The judge mm-hmm. decided innocence or guilt. Uh, the judge actually dis, uh, declared him guilty before the prosecutor even sat down from his closing statement. Wow. Um, so it, it wasn't it wasn't much of much of anything. And um, but uh, pretty much what had happened, we went out there. Um, a bunch of us showed up this morning, uh, about a dozen of us, to kind of show support. Uh, there was some media there. And uh, we went up to the trial. Uh, Chief Judge Belvin Perry um, sort of, uh, you know, he, he acted as a judge, jury, and executioner. And, you know, we, he made his statements. There were about eight witnesses. They actually made some of the uh, potential jurors who uh, allegedly received fires from Mark uh, come up and testify. Wow. And they, they, subpo- had- they subpoenaed the people who had received the flyers to testify against this man. They did. There was uh, about four of those and about three or four uh, sheriff's deputies That's crazy. there who all testified. 
They forced I, those people to take another day out of uh, out of work because they were already yeah. inconvenienced by being a juror the first time. What around. happens if you just don't show up for that kind of subpoena? I would imagine a failure to appear. Failure to appear when you're not charged with anything. If you are demanded of, uh, if you are demanded to appear, you are, you are summoned. I and if you that. don't uh, appear like a genie, then uh, you get to go into a jail cell. I've never been subpoenaed, but one time I was called for jury duty, and I honestly just forgot to go, and nothing ever happened. Uh, you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they have the manpower to, to hunt down everybody who doesn't show up for these kind of things. But um, it, 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 it was interesting is that none of these people that they subpoenaed actually ever made it onto a jury. So they're all just potential jurors. None of them were ever jurors. Mm-hmm. And also all of them testified that they were not influenced by this um this handout that Mar- that mark allegedly handed out so uh, you know so the, according to the order they have to basically be influenced by this uh handout which they weren't also according to the or- order uh this would be a civil contempt of court charge not a criminal contempt of court charge which he was charged on but of course um since there was no jury and no due process whatsoever uh the judge didn't care about any of that and he actually found him guilty on two counts. He found him guilty on violating each of the separate executive orders, uh, one banning the handing out of jury information, the other banning out handing all free speech uh, on the on the Orange County Courthouse. Right, because he wasn't in the designated free speech zone. Exactly. So he gave, he actually sent him to to 141 days on one charge and 151 days on the other charge. So to clarify, Um, he was originally charged with criminal contempt, uh, and then ended up being charged with civil contempt, two different charges? It, it, he got two counts of criminal contempt, two even though the executive order reads that you would be charged with civil contempt. Oh, I see. I got it backwards. They, okay. they went ahead and, yeah, they went ahead and charged him with criminal contempt anyways. Was he represented uh, by a lawyer? He was. Um, he was going to represent himself, and actually the first time he went to his arraignment, he started doing the um, – uh, that same, I forgot the guy's name, the same line of questioning you were talking about before. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that, and that didn't go too well for him. And uh, we, he kind of decided that because he's not going to get a jury because his, you know, he can only hope that the judge is going to be lenient on him is his only hope not to go to jail for so long. He decided to get a lawyer and kind of play by the rules. Uh, which Do you I feel like the, 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 right the judge went lenient on him because he had a lawyer? Uh, Absolutely not. The judge gave him actually the most uh, stiff sentence he possibly could. My understanding is really half a year in jail for handing out pamphlets. It's insane. What that was the maximum that he that he could get for a contempt of court. I didn't know there was a maximum on contempt. My my understanding is that uh, based heard, I'm not 100 percent sure uh, that if it was six months or more, that he would. that, that he would then be required to have a jury trial yes, under okay. some sort of Florida that's, rule. That's typical, yeah, as I understand it, because it's usually a six-month window. Uh, if you do hit six months or more, then there's usually some additional stipulations that come on. And so basically a judge can just hit you with uh, – con- he can get you with multiple contempt charges for five months apiece and uh, you know just keep going, keep putting you in there. Hey, what are you in for? Handing right. out pamphlets? <laughs> And it was really amazing because, you know, the, the the judge even said, you know, every time you've been respectful, every time I've met you and, and went on and on and on about, you know, he's, he, he, he understood sort of what he was doing. And so I thought, you know, OK, maybe I'll get a maybe a couple of days in jail or, mm-hmm. or maybe a 
fine or whatever. And then he goes ahead and, and after that and gives them essentially the maximum sentence wow. he can. And I'm thinking, you know, you could have just said, screw you at that point. What's the difference? You already got yeah. the maximum contempt of court charge. The I mean, man in the robe. What's the but, point uh, of being civil? Exactly. The man in the robe uh, behaved similarly today, uh, saying to address. He actually addressed the crowd at one point. Uh, Mark, you were there for this, where he took time out to actually talk to the crowd. And this is not the first time he's done this. He's addressed the crowd before at other uh, activist trials and lectured us before. You need to work within the system. It's like, I understand what you're doing and uh, I respect it, blah, blah, blah. But I'm cracking down. It was essentially what he was saying today. He was addressing us as a group. And you as the the leader, which I thought was the funniest part. Everybody laughed at that. That that you might be the leader of the group. That I could tell them what to do or whatever. They really believe this, though. They always They do believe it. They absolutely do believe it. As though putting Ian in jail is going to stop the rest of these folks from doing whatever the heck it is that they do. So, John, uh, what's next down there in Orlando? Because well, there's no—is there any appealing a contempt? Do you have court? a moving van ready? There is. There is. There, there's a, not a moving van, but there is a, a an appeal that's set up. Um, that's actually the the good news on this. That um, the, the we already filed for the appeal, and as well for as a, a supersidious bond hearing, basically meaning he can get out on appeal on bond. And that should be heard within the next week. Um, so we're going to take this to a higher court and, and try to try to fight it there. What does it cost um, to file an appeal? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. My understanding on this charge is going to be somewhere in the five thousand dollar range. My, what? Just for the just to file an appeal at court no, or no, for no, the I'm lawyer? Not, not, no, not not to file the appeal. So for for the attorney and okay. everything. The appeal. Keep us in the loop, John. Appreciate it. That's John from OrlandoCopWatch.com. Appreciate hearing from you, and uh, thanks for the call. There's more coming up. You can take control. Of Free Talk Live. Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency, and it's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world, and their value seems to only be growing with time. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Bitcoins are going up. WeUseCoins.org. Live. You can dial in toll-free, bring up what you want at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. The features there are free. And if you enjoy the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by shopping with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. You'll find links there to Amazon, the world's largest internet superstore with dozens of categories from which you can choose thousands upon thousands of items and save a bunch of money because Amazon doesn't have to pay to have the big box stores all around. They've just got some distribution centers and a really great website. So just go in and get your shopping taken care of. You've done it before. I'm sure if you've been online for a little while, you've probably already shopped at Amazon. Now, all I'm suggesting that you do is go through our link. Go through our affiliate links over at shop.freetalklive.com. You'll get the stuff that you're looking for. Great prices, free super saver shipping on a lot of their brand new items, and Free Talk Live gets a cut of the profits when you enter through shop.freetalklive.com. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try anyway. There's, It's a healthier option. It's 22,000 times healthier. Listen to this offer from vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save up to $120 a month. And you'll already start 
being richer, feeling better, and smelling better. No more ashtray mouth. So what more do you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cardamizers with the coupon code FTL. That's FTL as in Free Talk Live. You'll get free shipping on it because it's an order of more than $60. It's $69 for the 40 cardamizers. And uh, you'll, you'll also get the, uh, the the starter kit for free. You can call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. It's 855-2-GET-VAPOR, Vaporsmiths.com. Toll-free number here for us, 800-259-9231. Recapping some court shenanigans today. Uh, Orlando, a man placed in a jail cell for 150 days because he was handing out jury nullification information. Now, I said before that I thought that uh, you know we do have things a little bit better here. Even though we've got our little tyrants here in New Hampshire, uh, at, at least there's the chance something could change here. Like, for instance, there's this... Uh, there's this not coalition. What do they call it? A panel. There's a group of uh, so-called representatives that uh, they formed this uh, grievances panel, I think, where anybody that has a complaint about some bureaucrat can go and complain to them. I don't think it's just a justice thing, but, but right now there's some judges that are being complained against on this this particular panel. And I guess this panel has the ability to do something about it. I'm not sure. I'm not really certain around all the details, but this is something that apparently no other state has. From what I understand from the folks in the kind of the political world, that this is unique to New Hampshire, this grievances panel. Have you heard this at all? I, I believe it is entirely unique to uh, New Hampshire, but right. I, it's just a guess. So that exists. And, of course, we've got an activism movement here that is constantly growing. There are more people moving here as part of the Free State Project. More people move every single year. So that's another uh, good factor. You can have a camera in a courtroom here. In a lot of places around the country, you can't do that. Now, they want to demand. They want to make demands of you. They want you to beg them for permission uh, to bring a camera in. But all that said... Uh, we can actually have cameras in here, and a lot. Of I people would say can. that's pretty rare. It, just about every state. To I could be wrong, in? but I would say that's pretty rare. Yeah, these people are very protective. Down in Orlando, they're of course it's all arbitrary. They let the mainstream media into the Kaylee Anthony trial in Orlando. That's not a problem. Multiple cameras, sure. Multiple news agencies, sure. Come on in. But when John Kurtz is on trial for recording a cop, then it's a complete crackdown. Whoa! You can't have a camera in here. So it just all depends on what you know. What'll make the state look good? State looks good when it's prosecuting a murderer, but when the state's prosecuting a man who used a video camera to hold a police officer accountable for being a thug, then oh, oh we can't be having documentation here. And they were this they, will turn this courtroom into a circus, right? They were cracking down on people with cameras at John Kurtz's trial, and presumably, uh, I, I, I neglected to ask John this, but I imagine they would have told us, and if there is video, I'm sure it will appear over at orlandocopwatch.com, but I doubt that they were allowed to have a camera in their courtroom today. So we just have to go I think on. you made that clear that they weren't allowed to. Did they? I, I'm sorry, then, if I missed that point. So then we just have to go on what people say about their experiences. So that's another benefit that we have here. Plus, in New Hampshire, I don't know of any instances, any, of an activist being arrested or even significantly harassed over handing out jury nullification information to potential jurors. 
I've done it countless times at this point. We've we've had it going on for probably three years now, almost. Yeah, it's here it, in Keene, well, New As a matter of fact, there's been bills uh, introduced before the legislature that uh, have done quite well. Um, you know, the the verbiage hasn't been quite worked out or anything like that. But basically, that uh, that re- are going to require the judge or the prosecution or somebody to make this little statement about jurors, uh, you know, judging the law by their conscience or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So, uh, jury there's nullification legislative process is happening there. Yeah. Live and well in Florida, apparently no, 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 in, in Florida. New Hampshire, but apparently in Florida, you'll go to jail for 150 days for right. passing it out. I mean, you know, this is this this is what, what fight do you know when they say pick your battles? Why would you want to pick that one? What's what's the point besides? Well, I want to live in Florida. I mean, really, isn't that really all that, that that's the only reason to do that? Well, I want to live here. I like and the I weather that, in Florida better than I like the weather in New Hampshire. Julia, I know you don't feel the same way. You prefer prefer it up here. No, although I would say that I like summers better in Florida because everywhere has AC. It's hot up here in the summer. Yeah, if you compare summer here to winter there. Um, oh, you mean you like summer here? No, I oh, like sorry. summers in Florida better because there's AC everywhere. I, I gotcha. It's well, hot yeah, in New Hampshire in the summertime and not an everywhere. AC. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's 100 bucks but, or 500 at the most. You know, I mean, yeah, but you got to get one for every room. Well, I mean, who spends a lot of time in every single what room? What if you're in the kitchen cooking? It's 95 degrees in the kitchen. True, true. Good it's not boy. the way it is at my house. I can't, couldn't tell you. But you built your house. That much is true. So anyway, uh, aside from the the weather, there uh, it seems like that's all that you've got. The only reason why you would make this stand in Florida is because you just don't well, want to move people to People get Hampshire. excited about the ideas of liberty upon hearing of Free Talk Live and seeing of civil disobedience and stuff like that. They want to they make some they changes do, where they, where they but are. But look what happens. I know. You try to do the right thing. You try to do something that by all indicators, especially that pesky constitution, uh, you should have the right to do. Oh, you know, Congress will make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech huh? or of the press. Well, clearly, oh, wait, that, that is constitutional. Congress didn't make a law. The man in the robe did. Just said the, something. The yeah. man in the robe wrote an order. So, see, that's, that's completely okay. Well, what was I thinking? Yeah, put that man in jail, 150 days, t- entirely appropriate. Of course, I'm being a little facetious there. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it except for the get the hell out. Come on. What's going to change in Florida? Really? I I hope that something does. I hope that maybe there's there's been talk of, you know, people going out there and having a larger group. I think somebody mentioned to, to me today. I think it was Jason Talley from the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund that once uh, there was an activist arrested, George Donnelly, in Philadelphia, that a group of activists came out after that to show support and to, to hand out flyers at the same place he was arrested, and nobody messed with them. So numbers do make a difference, and I don't think Mark Schmitter had anybody backing no, him I up don't when he, he was arrested. Either. So that was a problem. Uh, right, and that's what they're doing here is making an example of him right. uh, before all of his friends who are in the... Uh, the they're you know, daring the, them to try it again. They're yep. daring them, look, this is what's going to happen. Look what you we're doing to, do to you over now. in the park there. Your, your friend's trying to feed the homeless um, you know, in right. Orlando. We're locking them up day after day after day. You keep on sending them, we keep on locking them up. That's right. Come on, we'll have this fight in the court steps too. They don't care. I'll tell you, in Florida, my experience is the cops will do 
anything that they're told to do. They'll just do anything. Mm-hmm. Well, under the color of law, the, the only thing that, that these cops too. have is the viva only following orders. The same excuse they had at Nuremberg. I mean, apparently these guys would do anything they're told the, to do, the first which time, is scary to me. The first time I handed out uh, jury and nullification information in New Hampshire, a couple sheriffs came out to ask me what I was up to, and then they went away. And that was the only time, aside from one time when the, co- the sheriffs came out to tell us not to hold the door for people. It was the only times that we've had any interactions with the police regarding handing out stuff. Right out in front of the courthouse. And I mean right out in front of the courthouse. They haven't said jack to us about it. But in Florida, you get put in jail for 150 days. Well, there's way more of them. You know, the police departments are a lot bigger in, in Florida. In Florida, sure, sure. Because the cities are a lot bigger. I'm sure they have bigger budgets. I was terrified in the, of the cops in Florida. and It's I'm not, not that way here. Yeah, I'm not scared of police here. Let's talk to Jericho listening in West Virginia. Uh, Jericho, you're on Free Talk. Actually, Jericho, you're in Virginia, I believe. I think our board up might have gotten that wrong. Jericho? Yeah, somewhere in Virginia. All right, you're listening to WSVG. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hey, uh, what's happening, guys? What's up? Man, uh, don't we all long for the days when these lunatic, tyrannical cops and judges are gone? But uh, <laughs> they're not going anywhere until someone's going to be willing to do something about it. Until we have a thousand Mark Schmitters, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I didn't get to my point. Yeah, I, got yeah, I know. Stick with us. We're going to bring you back here if you can hang through the news because uh, hour number three is next. Plenty of time for you and your thoughts if you would like to share them with us. 800 259 9231 and our wonderful listening audience, of course, will be sharing it with them as well. 800 259 9231. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program, and you can dial in toll-free to bring up what you'd like. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. All right, so we're going to get right back into your phone calls here. Uh, For those of you just tuning in to catch you up, we've been talking about uh, the just historic in a really negative fashion. trial today of mark schmitter down in florida he's an activist who is a fully informed jury activist he hands out jury nullification information has been doing so i said i mistakenly said something like several years uh, according to the folks down in orlando it's been several months but anyway he's been doing it for a while and has been doing it relatively unmolested until recently when a man in a robe down there decided to issue an order saying that uh, this shall not be done Uh, You shall not hand out things to anyone on our courthouse property, and you shall not hold signs, and you shall not do this and that and this and that. And so they arrested this guy during the Kaylee Anthony trial for handing out information, charged him with two uh, contempt of court charges, and sentenced him to over 150 days in jail. I wonder if in some way or another in their minds the result in the Kaylee Anthony uh, case you know, the jury finding this woman who is suspicious, very suspicious circumstances of her case. 
not guilty had anything to do with these pamphlets that were being handed out. Do you get the correlation I might be talking about here? No, I don't really understand okay. what you're saying. Who would have been thinking this? The judge that sentenced him. Whomever. You know, whoever he talks to, you know, that they, they, they chatter amongst themselves about these things. They gave this guy no. a half a year for passing out pamphlets. It's insane. But he's been doing it for a long time. And Understood. the order about the pamphlet thing came out back in January. Uh, the order did, but the result of the Casey Anthony thing is very fresh in the mind right. of the sentencing judge. And I'm wondering if... And so it is the same judge. Sitting in his mind, he's thinking to himself, you know, it would have been a lot better for my career if that girl would have been found guilty because, uh, you know, she was obviously guilty or whatever. He's thinking in his own mind. I have no idea. Hmm. But, um, you know, he's sort of laying it on the doorstep of this guy who's passing out this jury. Because, uh, I mean, to the state... That's what jury nullification is. Jury nullification is people being found not guilty. So, and it's remarkable. I mean, you know, when you're talking about when you're talking about the state, about 0.1 percent of cases um, or less than 0.1 percent of cases are people found not guilty. It's incredible. Well, most people take the plea bargain, so I mean that's why that's the case. Well, that's what the, they have an apparatus set up where people are always either the case is dropped or they're found guilty in some way, or you know they they're sentenced. If people were to actually not take the plea deal, then they'd actually go to trial, and they'd be more likely to be people found not guilty if Indeed. people would actually go to trial. So we're talking about also the aspect of the cameras not being allowed in court, uh, and so let's go to uh, Jericho. Back in West Virginia, listening, excuse me, in Virginia to WSVG in Mount Jackson. Go ahead, Jericho, with your thoughts. Hey, I've got enough teeth. I don't live in West Virginia. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, uh, no, it's not exactly on your uh, pamphlet handing out thread. But anyway, I heard a story a couple months ago, a guy up in uh, Philadelphia. I don't know if it's Pennsylvania state law or Philadelphia law, but like in Virginia, if you're legally allowed to have a firearm, as long as you carry it open, you're okay. you got to have a concealed carry permit. In Pennsylvania... You have to have a permit to carry it at all, mm-hmm. but you are allowed to carry open carry if you have a permit. Well, this guy had a permit. He was in a parts store, you know, like an Advance or AutoZone, something like that, and he was carrying a sidearm. All of a sudden, the cops saw him and started questioning, what are you doing? You're not supposed to have a gun like that. He said, yeah, I am. I'm totally within the law. And when he went to explain to the cop, I could show you my permit. He didn't reach for anything. He didn't startle the cop. He just told the cop that he could get show him the permit. The cop took that as a threat, pulled his firearm, had it pointed at this guy's chest, down on his knees, everything else, the whole works, called in for backup. Well, this went on for about a half hour until finally they called the police department attorney who explained to them, "Uh, guys, no, he is within the law. You better let him go. Oh, boy. (laughs) So this guy's no trouble whatsoever, but unbeknownst to the cops, he audio recorded the whole exchange. Oh, boy. When this guy posted on YouTube, that's when they got embarrassed and decided to charge him with some kind of yeah, he must have done he must have done something illegal at that point because they got embarrassed yeah well it's wiretapping exactly. they'll charge exactly. you with wiretapping exactly so they're allowed to ride around their cruisers all they want with a camera and every single one of them videotaping everything you do that's okay mm-hmm. but when it's time to keep them in check and keep them in control because we do own them we, you would think, you know, we are the people they work uh-huh, for. That's, that's what you think. You know, I heard exactly. Michelle Seven tell a cop that once, and the cop said, well, I'll give you, I'll give you your five cents back. <laughs> <laughs> your five cents back. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said. I, I don't know how to fix this, but you're right. It's not going to be stopped until you get thousands. And, and 
I call myself Jericho. You know that's not my real name because I say things on your show. That I don't want people around here because I would be harassed very quickly. I heard there you. There are cops and judges around here that have been in the loop of major drug operations and everything else. They still have their they still have their office. Mm-hmm. They're still I believe doing every, as long as as long as we the people let them keep thinking they're the boss. I've said that on your show ten times already. As long as we keep letting them. As you know, long as we keep letting them. It really speaks to um, how they feel they're doing in, in their work, that they don't like people videotaping them. Mm-hmm. I work somewhere where there's there are a lot of cameras. All the time. All the time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's fine. I'm very comfortable with it because I'm not doing anything at my job that... You can't record. I mean, I'm nice with my customers. I'm not not pocketing cash. Exactly. I'm I'm comfortable with the cameras because they serve a really important security purpose for me. Oh yeah. So it it really speaks to you know how they feel what kind of a job they feel they're doing. If they really felt like they were always doing everything right, why would they care? They're they're ill trained to begin with. I don't know about nationwide, but I grew up in Maryland, and I noticed all my life every Maryland state policeman I saw you know, or talk to, all had the same robotic voice and everything else. They, and I found out later in life, they're taught in police school how to speak and how to act to force their control on everyone else. These guys don't talk like that. That's how they're taught, you know, taught to speak at police academy. And I think, I don't know about judges, but cops anyway, they're taught from day one that they're above the people and they need to keep us in control. It's us versus them. You're no, there's no doubt about it. Well, and it and it. It's true. When you videotape them doing something illegal, you can't get anybody to charge these people. Nope. When no. you when you catch a cop or a bureaucrat or one of these people doing something illegal, the best you can hope to do is turn it over to the local news and they'll play the heck out of it uh, if, if, if it works out for you. But, if the local news has the balls to go up against yeah, the, but they're uh, the scared state. too. Hey, thanks, Jericho, for the call tonight. As always, appreciate the thoughts at 800-259-9231. I mean, just as an example here... The local newspaper censored, I blogged about this over at Free Keene, we're living in Keene, New Hampshire, which is this little town, 25,000 people. There's a talk radio station, there's a newspaper, and now there's FreeKeene.com, which has really kind of become a source for, for news. But it's also a source for opinion. And we were breaking this news yesterday about a, a murder that happened, which was drug-related here in town, which you know, murders don't happen in Keene uh, very often. So we were breaking some of this news over at uh, Free Keene. And, of course, the newspaper was reporting on it as well. And the newspaper, from what I understood of the story, got it wrong. They said that the person who was killed was intervening in a fight when he was killed. Initially, I think that's what they said. But that's I think what they changed. said initially. Well, they, haven't, they don't have an official story. And, and there is no official story. It's just what you hear on the street. They were reporting what they had heard. And I was reporting what I had heard, and I suggested that they'd gotten it wrong. I went and I posted on their website as a comment to their story the link to my story with a completely different version of the events, which was much more focused on how it was drug-related. Because uh, the, the Keen Sentinel wants you to believe that oh, this is you know just a young man who had intervened in a fight. He saw something happening and he did you know what he thought was right. I'm not saying the kid was a bad kid. I didn't know. I knew people who did know him and they liked him. They thought he was a nice kid. Uh, but you know, nice kids get caught up in drug drug sure, deals. You you did it, uh, Mark, when you were younger. Yeah, like I was a nice kid. Uh, well, I mean, you were probably a nice young man at some point in your your life. Some and point you got caught up with the wrong people, and you went down a kind of a bad road. 
And I think that uh, the Sentinel didn't want to see that. I don't think they wanted to see, A, me promoting my website on their site. I think that's uh, that, that would be my biggest concern. B, this kind of, uh, they didn't want uh, their page to be promoting the idea that teenagers in Keen might be using drugs. Teens, Keen's terrible for, for drugs. Shh, Mark, you shouldn't talk about that. This is an idyllic Green little town. Keen. It's an idyllic little community, and no kids around here do drugs. They got a huge crank problem. Censor. You're censored. <laughs> That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever you want. I don't know what their reasons were, but they deleted my comments from their website. Shame on them. Anyway, more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You already know that you can support Free Talk Live and the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund by starting your Amazon or Newegg shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. But did you know that you can also spend bitcoins at Amazon or Newegg? That's right. Start your Amazon or Newegg shopping at spendbitcoins.com. And you can buy just about anything with bitcoins. So if you're using fiat currency, start all your shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. But when you want to spend bitcoins, start all your bitcoin shopping at spendbitcoins.com. That's spendbitcoins.com. Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. The toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website. Grab the mobile site over at m.freetalklive.com. M as in mobile.freetalklive.com. Quick access to our streams and podcasts. That's m.freetalklive.com. You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. Go to the grocery store. Go to the gas uh, station. You can see it happening. You know that at some point a new currency will take over. Wouldn't you like to be on the ground floor of that currency? Bitcoins. They could be that currency. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world, and their value seems to only be increasing with time. Find out more at weusecoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Bitcoins are trending upward. Weusecoins.org. We continue with you and your thoughts. We'll go to BD, listening in Tennessee. BD, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hey, what's happening? What's on your mind, BD? All right. This is a, I listen to basically podcasts. Occasionally I can manage to catch it live when I'm not bothered, uh, busy with my kids. Mm-hmm. But the story uh, last night I heard about the about the kid uh, brought back a lot of memories because uh, story many, last many night years. about the kid yeah, which the, story the, i'm sorry the, uh, the murdered kid oh yeah yeah the guy okay. that uh, died in alleged drug uh, because an alleged drug deal went bad oh yeah well the story i'm going to tell that happened many many years ago back in the late 70s and early 80s but a young man uh i was very close with uh he had been waiting on his 18th birthday to inherit a sum of cash and some land and when he did that, the sole purpose for him doing that, uh, waiting on that, was so he could make bigger drug deals. He was a pretty small time, you know, nickel bag here, dime bag thing. But at that point right there, when he thought he could, you know, go big time, and he managed to sell his land, sell some land and get some money, there was a $50,000 drug deal that went bad, which I'm not sure exactly what happened, but he ended up killing his partner, who was also uh, one of our high school classmates. Oh, man. All right, and upon that happening, he, for some, he he talks uh, the guy's girlfriend into having an abortion. He what? buries the body uh, on the, on the land up in the mountains. Then a month later, another someone that was involved in the deal 
uh, he talks him up into the mountains and ends up killing him, buries him up there. Jeez. Come February, and you know, come December that year, and I always think, I always say that there, there was a higher, higher power of destiny. Uh, because for some reason I was I was out of town because I would have been foolish enough to have been right there with him because I, I I understand that that what Mark's talking about being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, mm-hmm. but he ends up uh, killing his grandmother and throwing her in the river. Throwing her in the river. Now, this is I said like I said around Christmas, decent uh, nineteen seventy nine. Why did he uh, kill his grandmother? I thought he was just trying to cover up a bad drug deal. It uh oh, it it came it came down to that because you know the bad drug don't end up selling selling this truck and a couple other things and I think she found out about it. Oh, um, and you know and he wow. <laughs> and when he killed when he killed her he he must have thought she was dead because he he wrapped her up in plastic chains and whatever and threw her threw her over in the river which she actually that's how she actually died. Oh, jeez, you know, that's horrible. I mean, but all of this would never have been possible if it wasn't for that war on drugs. No doubt about it. And, you know, for saying things like that on my blog, I've been excoriated by people. How dare you have an opinion and suggest that uh, that in the absence of the war on drugs, that this young man, or in your case, those multiple people, wouldn't be dead. That the, the idea that these things could still happen. Okay, yeah, there's crazy people, and people will still do stupid things in the absence of the war on drugs, but it's much less likely. And Anybody oh. in law enforcement against prohibition would would agree with me on that. Oh, and and and, and, here, and here's how and here's how the story continues. Okay, when he was apprehended for his grandmother, they 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 convicted him of that, and then I don't. It wasn't. I, I can honestly say it probably wasn't his conscious. He probably just wanted to, you know, time out. He started confessing to the other ones that he'd mm-hmm. done, you know, you know, to get out. Yeah, I'll show you where this body is, and so on. So when he's convicted. And he's in prison. He's in prison for like uh, seven years. Another drug deal goes bad in prison, and he kills somebody else. Oh, God. This guy's well, just a killing dude. At that point, once you're in prison for life, uh, you know, if, to some of those guys, it doesn't even matter. Oh, hey, yeah. Thanks for sharing the story. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. But he's absolutely right. In the absence of the war on drugs, violent crimes will, I think, drop off of a cliff as far as how often they happen. It's just Well, so many times uh, people are, you know, they're, they're either killing somebody because a drug deal went bad and they've been jilted for a great deal of money. Mm-hmm. They're killing somebody because they need some money to buy drugs. You don't see anybody killing anybody right. over a pack of cigarettes. Those are the most addictive things on the planet yeah. um, because they're cheap. That's why. And right. drugs would be that- cheaper in, in the absence of uh, the drug war, too. Well, you- also, people are not thinking clearly when they're on drugs and no things doubt. like that. So Their you know, priorities when, are screwed up. When, when, when they're confronted with circumstances where, well, I need money, rather than just quitting drugs, they'll say, well, I need money. I've got to kill somebody. I'll to just get her steal away. from grandma, and if she catches me, I'll kill, I'll kill her. her. Let's talk to Doug, listening in California, listening to XM's America's Talk. Hello, Doug. Doug? Doug. Hi. Go ahead, sir. You're I, on the air. I'm, can you hear me? Great. Yes, sir. Uh, I didn't know there was a radio station dealing with a nonviolent civil disobedience and affecting change in the community that way. But now you but, know. Uh, well, there's there's a radio show. I don't think there's an entire station uh, dedicated to it, but no, nonetheless. Where, where may I ask where you guys are physically located? Keene, New, Keene, New Hampshire. We uh, moved to New Hampshire, uh, all of us, uh, the three of us on the show, as, as, as have hundreds of other people, as part of the Free State Project, a group of liberty-oriented folks, uh, people that understand what it means to be free and are willing to get active about it, all moving to the same place. 
it's almost like a commune then. Well, no, well, that's well, an inaccurate it, term. It's, it, it's a commune well, if California is a commune. I mean, I have a house. I've oh, got yeah. a wife who lives in it. I've got a dog and I've got a cat. Does that sound like your house? No, no, I was. I mean, a community approach to. I mean, I didn't mean that in, a, in any okay. kind of disparaging. People no, will we're not often all use this term. Living in this on a compound together. Right, right. And by the no, way, have like you ever the been on militia. a com- <laughs> Have you ever been on a commune? Uh, well, actually, I've lived on one in Santa Cruz. Uh, uh, oh, since 1974, my children and grandchildren, we all live together in the community. Oh wow! But, so you but, actually uh, live on a commune right now. Yeah, I, effectively, yeah. And and the thing is, is I would like to continue living there. You had to go to New Hampshire. Well, where 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 did you go to New Hampshire from? I asked. Were you, were you in California? No, Florida. No, but some people are from California. Well, same thing. Yeah, but California is the same thing. Florida, California. Because what, what I was going to suggest to, uh, and I have, uh, and people in California and Florida, I don't know about New Hampshire, but, but really, you know, the only vote as far as voting the only vote, and I'm, I'm older. I'm like a senior grandpa. You guys are sound a lot younger and more vital. But, but, and I was in 1981. Bank of America was paying me uh, 23% on jumbo CDs. You know, uh, I wow. seen, I seen in 1967. I went to Wickenburg, Arizona, when I was at Stanford to check out what was in the what was a Japanese relocation center that day as a what they they call them now FEMA centers, I guess. But, but I mean, this thing's working like a cycle. No, but but anybody else going to say is, are you still there? Yep, right here. The only vote we have now as a property owner is when you pay your property tax. Yeah, well, good luck not paying the property tax. <laughs> Thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. I, I hope someday that we get to the point where uh, people who are property taxpayers decide to not pay anymore. I think that I'm going to get to that point someday, whether there are others that are ready to join me or not, because I'm about sick of this crap. It's Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features there for free. So enjoy those. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Oh, and speaking of features, there are listening options there. So we've got live streams, which include a broadband and dial-up version of the show. They are available around the clock. So anytime you want, you can hear the latest episode of Free Talk Live over at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, get a list of our 109 great radio stations that air the show throughout the week, various different times, as well as our satellite listening options, including two XM satellite radio channels, as well as our free-to-air KU band channel, in addition to our webcam and the listen lines that allow 
allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance. Plenty of ways for you to get Free Talk Live in your ears. Get the details at listen.freetalklive.com. Also, if you're looking for the best prices on camping, hunting, and shooting gear, manventureoutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, and a lot more. ManVentureOutpost.com. They're family-owned, members in good standing, the Better Business Bureau, and you know how important that is online. Some prices are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. You can get an additional 5% off. They're already low prices with coupon code FTL. You can get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Use coupon code FTL at ManVentureOutpost.com. So we continue here uh, with you and your thoughts. Frank is on the line in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live at the Injulia and Mark. Uh, good evening. Hey, Frank. I uh, hope it's nice and uh, mild up in Vermont tonight. We live in New Hampshire. But go New Hampshire, forgive close. me. Forgive me. It was a Freudian slip. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, listen, I enjoyed the conversation tonight, and I just wanted to say that the reason why so many judges and the Justice Department fear jury nullification is that they view it as an obstruction of justice, meaning that if someone has the capacity to understand uh, not only the law as the judge describes it to the jury, you know, before they make their uh, decision, in a sense, when the judge gives final instructions to the jury before they go into the sequestered mode to sort of uh, hash it all out. Uh, what's interesting about that is that uh, jury nullification theoretically, from their point of view, would allow for someone to, in a sense, pervert the process of justice. From so their they, point of view. They, from their point yeah. of view. They love that obstruction of justice because that's always a felony. And an obstruction of justice charge can only be proven in the case against the individual that's charged with obstruction of justice. So it gives like a lot of wiggle room to the judiciary and the, uh, 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 the judiciary, uh, and you know yeah, the, their uh, ideas about justice general are pretty and, you know, that whole that whole thing. So what I wanted to say is this: what's interesting, though, uh, the notion of judicial immunity really doesn't exist in the Constitution or uh, in many states' Constitution, but it is a presumed uh, authority that all the judges seem to have. And the view is that the judge provided to the best of his or her ability, discharges their duty regarding the law with due diligence, whatever that may mean, uh, allows them to have judicial immunity, unless there's a gross case of malfeasance against the judge. Boy, man, it would then, have to be pretty gross uh, for the judge to be held accountable for anything well, that's that he the, does. You've hit it on the head. That's the key. So in a sense, we have a judiciary that's either, A, appointed by uh, the government, uh, B, uh, elected through, you know, uh, political means, which means that if you're basically incompetent, but you have the vote, you can become a judge and all this stuff. And we've even seen Supreme Court justices that couldn't even fill out a brief, like Berger. Uh, there were several books written by his clerks about Berger's Supreme Court, that actually it was the good clerks that, you know, did all the work, and basically he just was there, you know. As a figurehead. Uh, so what I want to say about this, though, very simply, is jury nullification should be the right of a juror. Oh, but it the is. Point is. But the point is, if you were to agree with that or utilize it uh, as a reason for acquitting someone, not only 
would you acquit the person, but you could be brought in. You're right about that, the, uh, Frank. Justice. Yeah, yeah Frank, yeah, there's a, that's an important point, and I, I'm glad you brought it up tonight, and thanks for the call. Uh, the folks over at the Fully Informed Jury Association, FIJA.org, these are, this is the national organization that is pushing the idea of jury nullification. These guys will say to you, you aren't supposed to be punished for finding someone not guilty on a jury. But it is possible, you know, for them to do something to you if they find out that you were nullifying. I believe that's what they say. It's been a while since I've read their Yeah, it's been a long time, but but, I think I remember something like that, too. But, yeah, you don't want to necessarily come right out and say that. You might want to say – if you're asked a question by a judge about why you, you know, chose not guilty, you you can simply say, I don't believe the state proved its case. And that's that. So that you know, you can just kind of stop it by saying that and leaving it there. Uh, Fully Informed Jury Association has some more specific examples. They have some ideas as to how to get on a jury because getting to that point, you've already gone through quite a bit because you have to go through the yeah, – If you uh, ever say the word jury nullification b- beforehand, you're, you're not getting – You're done for. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. Uh, so yeah, you can't tip your hat. You can't show them that you're like a liberty activist because that will freak them out. Uh, so you you kind of have to slip into the jury pool unnoticed, and there are certain ways to do that where you aren't perjuring yourself. So you know, like you you can't lie on their little form, or else you've committed perjury. So they always, usually, in most places, they're going to want you to fill out a jury form, some sort of a questionnaire. In fact, I looked at about seventy five of them today. And the thing you have to remember is when when dealing with this is these folks are subverting a thousand years of common law doctrine. Uh, the the the, ju- the jury nullification that is a right of juries, right. but it has been taken away without without legislative fiat. It's just been taken away because judges well, say, well, these folks, they're too stupid to, in, uh, to do this. It still exists. It hasn't been taken away. It's just been covered up. They've thrown the— Buried deeply. Right. They've thrown the cloak of visibility over uh, top of it. And uh, by the way, I did see the Harry Potter movie finally, and it was, it was pretty good. I'm glad you I liked it. Harry Potter better than I liked Captain America. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. Happy for you right now. Mark dragged me to uh, Captain America this weekend. It was kind of sad. Like what do you, you mean? You wanted me to go to the movie, but you wouldn't buy my ticket. That's true. You were being really obstinate about yeah, it. Yeah, but you went. Yes, because... You got plenty you, of money. You don't need, it, you need me to buy your <laughs> ticket. Well, anyway, I went because you're such a good salesman. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, 800-259-9231. There is news here about the Norway shootings, by the way, which we haven't had a chance to get to yet this week. And it's pretty important news. And that is, uh, as you may know, there was mass slaughtering over the weekend uh, in Norway. I think it was on the week. Wasn't it Sunday? No, Saturday, Saturday, I believe, is when it was. Anyway, a guy killed approximately 85, 90 people, something like that. A lot of people died at the hands of one man who showed up, I believe, in a police uniform at a summer camp of some sort for uh, kids in the Socialist Party. And he shows up and just starts blasting. And, of course, nobody's a socialist summer camp. Nobody's got a gun. Uh, This guy just manages to take out all kinds of people in a very, very short period of time. And guess how long it took for the police to show up? I don't have to guess. I know. Well, Julia, you can see the headline from here. Yeah, I know, too. Uh, All right. It's 90 minutes. 90 who out there is It's thinking incredible. Now, that, they were on a little island, right? Well, according to the story, and yes, And they have to keep their island. little officers safe. 
Well, that is true, Mark. Their officer safety is a very important thing when it comes to the police. That's why the cops at uh, Columbine didn't just go running in the building. They set up outside for quite an amount of time first before they well, finally decided to do something the, the, after the guys had killed themselves. Another thing you should take away from this is this guy came in dressed as a cop and started blasting people. Yes. But – you know, if you're dealing with a cop or a bureaucrat or something like that in one of these instances, you're just supposed to trust this person. Mm-hmm. If, like, if you're dealing with a real cop, that cop will throw you to ground, knock your teeth out if you don't do what he says immediately. I don't believe but, you're a cop. I, how am I supposed to know you're a cop? Right. I mean, somebody just killed, did some dude dressed like a cop just killed 90 people. Yep, there's more coming up here at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up what you want. In the remaining moments of Free Talk Live, which are next, 800-259-9231. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Carnation Breakfast Essentials, helping your family get off to a nutritious start every day. Mornings can be chaotic, but a little advanced work will take the pressure off. The night before, organize backpacks and put them at the door, along with anything else that your kids need for the day. Set a timer for five minutes before departure to give everyone a chance to mobilize, and off you go. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Talk live. Moments remain. Maybe enough time for you and your thoughts. If you get on the lines now at 1 800 259 9231, that's the SACL CAI toll free line. 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. And if you want to support the show, you may do so by learning how to promote Free Talk Live over at promote.freetalklive.com. That's promote.freetalklive.com. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was, too, for many years. You know that those cigarettes are going to kill you, right? There's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month, and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth. No smell, no secondhand smoke. You can use it just about anywhere. There's free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cardamizers with coupon code FTL. And since 40 cardamizers is $69.99, you'll get that shipping for free. So uh, go to Vaporsmiths.com, get 40 cardamizers, use coupon code FTL, get free shipping, and get a free starter kit. You can call 855-2-GET-VAPOR, Vaporsmiths.com, 855-2-GET-VAPOR. When moments count, don't call the police. Over in Norway, as people were being slaughtered on an island camp for the what is the equivalent of a socialist party there, as I understand it, uh, it took the police 90 minutes to get themselves there. Now, they were on an island, so to be fair, probably a little more difficult than the average place uh, to get to. But all that said, uh, they 90 minutes, 90 minutes, and well, 85 people perished. This was all caused by trust in the police. All right, caused by trust in the, the man government. The the gun had a police officer's Right, outfit. the guy with the gun had a police officer's outfit on, so he was able to you know, move with, uh, with f- uh, facility and alacrity through these uh, crowds, mm-hmm. do whatever he wanted, and then start opening. He killed 90 people. The belief That's, in authority. And then it's the trust that the cops are going to save you from situations like this that had these socialist kids running around uh, and their camp, uh, you know, the people that are running the camp, without any kind of protection. 
I mean, if somebody would have had a weapon, they could have taken care of this dude. Or they at least would have had a chance. So it's all, it is all this weird religion that says that the state can take care of everything. Yeah. But of course, socialists would believe this. That's something that you're taught from age one. Yeah. I mean, basics in school. Like, it's just repeated over and over again. Like, what do you do in an emergency? Call 911. My son has this uh, little, uh, you know, this, this 50 songs from, I don't know, Fisher Price, the play people or mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know. But it's songs. And they're just sort, sort of ordinary songs that you might hear in different places. They've licensed some good songs. But one of them is this Officer Patrick song. Oh, no. <laughs> and it sings about how you can trust Officer Patrick and he takes care of criminals and blah, 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 oh, blah, blah. Yeah. Every time that thing comes on, I punch it off into the next it's it's bad enough that you have to hear about how great the garbage men are for handling the recycling. Uh, you know, oh, at the no. very least, my son loves, my son likes the uh, sound effects in that one with a yeah. uh, crushing sound we of garbage. We need more liberty oriented toys. Damn it! Well, this isn't a toy. This is a, this is these are CDs. Oh, okay. I thought it was one of those round things with the sound effects on it or something yeah. like that. But this is, I mean, that Officer Patrick song. Bang! I'm out of there every time. Let's go to Roger listening in Australia. Roger, good day, sir. How are you? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Mate, uh, just listening to you guys, rambling on about what's happening in America, it makes me want to cry. It makes me want to laugh at the same time because um, America is definitely one of those countries that uh, I used to look up to when I left Czech Republic about 25 years ago when he was communist. Mm -hmm. And now that I've been living in Australia for 25 years, and I lived in America, by the way, too, for about two years back in the early 90s, um, it, it brings tears to my eyes to see that the supposed democracy that uh, we left Czech Republic for at the time when I was living there, uh, now America has literally turned into a communist country itself. It's true. And, and it's really striking when somebody people, like you says that. Well, because I have been through right. it. And I have been through it as a 13-year-old. And yet it's still very fresh in my mind. And I remember the reasons when my parents said to me, as we were driving across the border between Czech Republic and Austria, and they said to me, don't speak. We are family. We have to stick together, right? Because we are escaping this ruthless, ridiculous government. But what today I see in American media is this complete, what American media is trying to do is completely dismember the, 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 the family, the nucleus of what family is supposed to be about. Who do you trust in your life? Your mother, your father, not the state, not the state. That's what Hitler was preaching. Trust the state and dub your neighbors in and we'll mm-hmm. take care of them. And well, we you're, know you know what's really up. scary? Uh, and I'm sure you experienced this uh, likely over in the, you know, the Czech Republic. But you're starting to see programs uh, encouraging people, turn your neighbor in, you'll get a $50 reward or some sort of piddly you know, amount of cash. And because people are hurting so bad because of the economy, they're now more likely than ever oh, yeah, the, the, to the snitch tips, out somebody. Tips are up. To snitch out somebody they well, know, somebody in their family. Well, dude, I watched a documentary in RT, Russia Today, mm-hmm. yeah, which I do get in, um, in Australia here on sure. a cable network. There was a German guy there that got arrested. Because he got dubbed in by some Pakistani guys, and they got $3,000 bounty on his head. So he ended up in Gitmo, in uh, Cuba, where, wherever America's Jeez. got these uh, terrorizers, you know. He was there for five years. This guy was a blue-eyed, blonde-haired German guy. And they kept asking him, what is your involvement with al-Qaeda, and where is bloody 
Osama bin Laden. And the guy just kept telling them in broken German language, I don't know what you want me to tell you anymore. Look, I was just enjoying an ice cream cone one day, and somebody grabbed me and threw me in a van. How am I supposed to know? Horrible. Oh, man. Absolutely horrible. Thanks for sharing that tonight. Anything else uh, on your mind, Roger? That's all. Thanks for the call, man. I appreciate hearing from you. Man, when that when that message comes from somebody like Roger, who's lived through yep. if, communism and you know totalitarianism. If and, you and I say it, the, the you know the, the, the socialists out there will be like, oh, ah, you people, you're always making a big deal out of nothing. But I mean, the uh, it's not just the socialists; it's the fascists as well that'll go. Hey, we fought for your freedom. Military fought for your freedom. Shut up. Yep, that that too. They, they you know. But the fact is that people that have lived under communist regimes, I've heard it over and over again. Maybe it's the only only the people that I'm I'm hanging out with that are that were under communist regimes. But every one of them I hear this from say that uh, America. I mean, the politicians sound just like our politicians. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of things that happen in Soviet Russia, where they where they disappear you or whatever i mean you know it's it's sad it's sad and it's scary and americans don't believe it for a second no no here this is the freest country on earth for one that statement is wrong right like that's just what they told you demonstrably wrong you can show list after list of ways that people have freedom in different areas in the world and the united states isn't on the top of any of them nope and people say, oh, we got the best judicial system in the world. That's wrong. Now, why <laughs> is it scary when you say it's scary? Scary? Yeah. We were just talking about being thrown in a van and taken away somewhere. That's, that's a pretty scary thought. It is pretty scary. And they are doing scary things to people. And people are getting thrown, even if you do know where they are, they're getting thrown in jail cells for 150 days for handing out a pamphlet. I that's bet you scary. that would have happened in communist Russia. Well, yeah, maybe you would have gotten ex- executed for it, but uh, you know, certainly that's what happened to the White Rose Society well, in Germany. The, here in the United States, they would never bother executing somebody. You're worth far more to in them jail. as a prisoner. Good point. Uh, you know, I mean, Bigger you, budget. They, right. They can they could tax the heck out of the rest of us when they throw people in jail. Yeah. This is the largest prison population on the planet per capita. Not because we're a big country, but because we're a fascist country. It's funny, too, because when you say those numbers, I mean, that that's a I think that's a publicly known fact. That's a pretty well-known fact. It doesn't phase people. It do, they don't seem to give it any thought at all. I mean, it's a, what amazes me is when you're talking about 0.1% of the population being found not guilty from a, something they've been charged with. I mean, can you imagine a system that's that efficient, that that is that good? I mean, it's ludicrous, the idea that our judicial system can find people 99.9% of the time. Well, actually, you can't use the inverse, but 0.1% of the time they're found not guilty. You know, that they're that efficient. It's insane. But people believe it. Quickie for you here from uh, CNN.com. North Carolina's town of Tar Heel has had themselves a ballots provision or whatever. Not provision, but a a period of time in which people can register for the ballot uh, to run for a city or town mayor and the, I guess, selectmen or city council or whatever they call them there. And apparently uh, no one has stepped up to the plate. The town had two weeks to file and no one did so. According to the story here, the board chose not to extend the filing period. The current mayor is not running for re-election, and uh, nobody bothered to step up to fill his shoes. The town council also will not have anybody running on the ballot. So what's next for the town? Well, positions will all be write-ins come November. So, you know, the election isn't over yet. But what if 
the election happens and no one gets written in. This has happened before. Will the government shut down? No, it's happened before, and they'll just run another election, or they'll appoint somebody. Yep, that's right. The government doesn't stop. They'll appoint their buddies. No such thing as running nobody. And everybody will keep paying their taxes as well. We'll see you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com.